0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Sex Cells podcast, a podcast where a narcissistic comedian talks to a uh, brilliant intelligent relationship wow, therapist.
1: Thank you. <laughs>
0: with her uh, nice. cat cat ears, her pink chair, cute little microphone. I had, a, that.
1: I had a couple of messages about it being like I wasn't um was not expecting you to be the type of person <laughs> to have cat ear earphones and how it's like I did not buy them for the purpose of this. It was like one of those you know how some people like men dress up as women when they're alone, I dress up wearing cat ear cat ear headphones and um it's no longer private, it's just public. So
0: It's all over the internet. So I love it when it. It's going to be interesting when you cite academic studies and you've got <laughs> cat ears on, and then, and then if we clip that out as a highlight, and it's this, you know, it's, this it's it's this sort of vigorous academic uh, discourse. Yet you're there with with pink cat ears on. <laughs>
1: Could we not do that? <laughs> so I don't have the. I'm too emotionally fragile to cope with the backlash of that one.
0: Ah, <laughs> you no nah, I'm not. I'm just right.
1: kidding. I'll be right. I'll survive. How are you?
0: I'm good, um, just used to lockdown now, um, in a good routine, and I guess I'm just trying to become a full-time YouTuber now. Um, that's That's all exciting. I can really do, can't really, can't really uh, perform. So uh, yeah, there was probably a message at the start of this video, but if you missed that, uh, these podcasts will uh, be going onto my main channel. They'll no longer be a comedy channel and a podcast channel in October. Uh, everything I post will go onto the youtube.com slash Neil K channel. So subscribe to that one if you haven't already.
1: Woohoo. That's exciting. Good luck with everything on you must know, do you get um do you get Zoom fatigue? Like video tiredness and
0: uh only after like quite a few hours. I can go, you know, four or five hours, but yeah, maybe after that it gets a bit uh laborious. But no, I can I can go a couple of hours. Because I remember like last good, uh, time. Last... I can last long, you know.
1: Oh, that's good. Good on you, <laughs> At least in that aspect. Um, but I remember last time you we filmed a couple and then you're like, oh, I'm doing this you're doing another video straight afterwards. And I was like, How do you have the energy? Especially in the afternoons. Good on you.
0: Um you know, just that uh carnival diet. Of love. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> I, I get no I actually Nail. you're going to like this no you're going to like this I'm um attempting plant-based right now
1: What? Since why didn't you tell me?
0: Oh cuz it's very new but um I'm attempting I don't know That's if I'll stick why? to it Um Look, I finally just fell for some of those documentaries. I got mad. I was like, oh, for fuck's sake. But then I was like, oh, all right, I'll try.
1: Yes, good on you. You know but- what, Neil? I did look at you when you came on. I was like, something different. He's got he's got the plant-based glow. That's what it is. Yeah. So
0: many beans, you know.
1: So little time.
0: Yeah. <laughs> just I've got so many cans of beans right now. Just clogging up my pantry, all these beans. Um, but yeah. You know, Good we'll see you. how we we'll see how we go. It might be it might be two three weeks, and I'll um, get sick of it. But um, no, I'm, I'm going to see how long I can uh, be plant based for.
1: Try push to four weeks, and then decide if you want to quit. I reckon because it's always the second and the third week is the hardest of any kind of transition forward. So that's the that's the time where you want to quit, and then the week afterwards, you usually get that surge of like motivation
0: again and then you'll know if you're going to stay the course or Mm. jump off yeah yeah good advice I'm actually uh I'm trying to like uh eat a lot of high protein foods but also Mm. so many as you would know uh Mm. so many of the high protein vegan foods are also
1: processed very
0: yeah and also just high in fat like nuts have a lot of fat (laughs) and like a lot of calories um but I think I've sort of narrowed it down I um I have a few smoothies throughout the day and then beans are pretty good you get quite a lot of protein in beans and they're not and they're not you know they're not too high in calories and um then at night i might do like tofu or tempeh or how do you actually pronounce it is it tempeh or yeah
1: tempeh, tempeh i think but tempeh. i don't know i never eat it because i hate that shit um but i love tofu and beans but are you are you gonna go towards or against the like satan and fake chicken and stuff
0: um, no, cause that stuff's very processed. So I'm going to mm. try to avoid that. Um, but yeah, lentils. I, lo- I actually really like lentils. Uh, that one is, a re- you know, that, it's not like a struggle to consume that. And the, um, protein shakes I've been having are really nice. I use this, um, vegan protein powder, which I've always used for a while anyway. And, um, what White one, do you Wolf. use
1: White Wolf? Yeah, that's yeah, right. I remember. I one's tried really that good.
0: Yeah. Um, and, yeah, just put a bit of some banana, peanut butter, spinach. It's really nice.
1: <laughs> good for you. Yeah. Oh, this is exciting. All right, everyone. But we'll on. see.
0: We'll see how we go. I don't know if I'll, you know, I can't say I'm um, a vegan yet. Yeah, no promises.
1: <laughs> what about um, the girl you're seeing? Is she is she going to jump on? Is she into it?
0: No, nah, she's... um. Uh, Cypriot. So, you know, you just can't say no to uh, yeah uh yeah, you know? you can't, <laughs> Yeah, fair. You yeah. can't say no to the grandparents <laughs> when they give you all that meat.
1: Yeah, that's true. All right, fair so enough.
0: So that's just like, you know, an <laughs> affront to her culture. Actually, you know what I find interesting about some of these lockdowns and things like that? It's like, so you're allowed to visit intimate. You're allowed to have intimate partner visits, right? Yeah. And that's even if you're in LGAs and things like that. But you're not allowed to, say, visit your grandma or – um anything like that which is kind of weird. I mean, I understand they got to just make a call and draw the line somewhere, but you know, if you were dating someone for a month, it's a bit strange how the government can say, "Oh yeah, you can keep seeing them, mm. but that, you know, the grandmother who may have raised you, no. Can't <laughs> yeah. see her." It's a bit it's a bit strange.
1: Yeah, especially because people just go on Tinder and then find someone and then that's their partner for the next <laughs> exactly, two weeks right? and then yeah, to the next, yeah
0: yeah and they'll be spreading other things as as well and and you know i can't believe i'm saying this but you could make a very um i'm trying not to use that word but a a woke uh argument to say well look a lot of other cultures a girlfriend or a boyfriend is not as significant to them as is the extended family um the aunties the uncles the grandparents So imagine how you would feel if you know a gov- the government said, "Oh, you can't see your boyfriend or girlfriend." I mean, then everyone will be protesting. But yeah, um, <clears throat> that's so probably true. how uh, maybe some of those people at the protests feel uh, when they're told, "You know, you can't you can't see your grandmother." I mean, I feel so bad for my grandmother as well. She's just she's now vaccinated, which is good, but you know, she just no one can visit her, and she lives alone and. It's all really sad, but look, everyone's in the same boat. But you know, it'd be nice if once a month or something, you could,
1: yeah, you could
0: get a get a a pass or so, I don't know. But can't Make you do do Like,
1: can't you do um, compassion? And isn't that car- I mean, yeah, late, but, but uh,
0: what does that mean? Like when they say compassionate <laughs> grounds, how you know what? Yeah. Like probably- my um my auntie Dilly gives uh she lives close to us, so she does a shopping and 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 gives oh, her that's food. Good. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's compassionate grounds and I guess I could do that and then visit her, but I, I live very far away from it. Right. Um, I, know, I just find it's, it's, it's just a weird line where they said, okay, you know, do not visit family or friends, but, oh, apart, if you're fucking the person, you can visit them. <laughs> you know, it's
1: Honestly. Just... it reminds me of um, when we first went to lockdown the first time, March last year, and I was single and um I went on um a it wasn't really a date. It was more like a he was like, Hey, we're in the same industry, like I do this, I own this business, let's meet up. It was networking. <laughs> yeah, networking, let's go with that. But then as soon as I got on his car, he was like, So sexology and all he wanted to talk about for two hours was sexology. And anyway, we were sitting down um, outside talking and these cops came up and they were like, are you exercising? And I was like, we were, I'm so sorry. Like <laughs> well, this was like be. literally a day into the lockdown. I didn't even know the rules. Yeah. we can And then the guy I was with was a, he's a, like a COVID denier. So, um, mm. he, he started pretending to cough onto the the police officer and they tackled him, <laughs> and oh. I was like, "I Damn. don't know him. I don't know him. I I just met him. Can I just get my bag from his car?" Because they were dragging him off. It was crazy. So that was fun. Yeah. Don't recommend. Just. Damn.
0: Did stay you see him again?
1: Hell no. Of course. Not. I think he was so mortified though, because what ended up happening was the cops were dragging him to this car, and we were in Bondi. And this guy comes like running down this hill. And he was like in his 40s and he's springing down and he's like, on what grounds are you arresting him? What grounds? Like blah, blah, blah. And he was like, I'm a lawyer. Mm. And he started like wow. quoting all these rights. And then he was like, you can't take him to the station. You can issue him this. You can do this. But you cannot take him to the station. Like you cannot put him in your car. Um, so they ended up letting the guy I was with go. And then we're sitting in this car and I was fuming. I was like, you fucking. Why did you cough? on the police officer. Like, if you don't believe it, fine, but why cough on him and say it must be COVID? Like, you fucking idiot. And uh, he was, was so kind embarrassed. Of funny. It was funny, but like.
0: <laughs> he got tackled. So he got he got his uh, just desserts. Bite. Yeah, and the, he was The like, idea of coughing on a policeman is, luckily we're in Australia because you'd, you'd be shot if you're in America.
1: The thing is, though, is that this, yeah, this guy was like, Claims to be such a, like, a intense business person, owns the biggest company, blah blah, blah that, that in this field, and he's like, yeah, me and me and Tony Robbins were on Zoom the other day talking about COVID and how it's bullshit, and this like the immaturity of it, and I was like, I thought you were like one of the leaders of NLP and and like coaching, so this is a bit um, it's a bit odd, but you do you, so did not mm. see him again. Um,
0: well, his NLP really. didn't work.
1: It hell no, it didn't. And I literally said to him afterwards, so I was like, to be honest, I'm quite surprised Like you do this because I can see you've got the business skills. But the whole, like, you know, people influencing was, was interesting to me. It took mm. me by surprise. So um, it was one of those backhanded compliments. But, you know, so oh,
0: you Oh, neg- you negged him. I negged I... him. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the girl I was seeing uh, during the lockdown in 2020, um, she didn't have a car, so I was always driving her. Uh, back and forth from her place. It wasn't that long. It was maybe what, 15, 20 minute drive. And for whatever reason, I was such an idiot. I hadn't paid my, and this was actually really dangerous. I hadn't paid my um, CTP, um, which, you know, oh, thank God I didn't have an accident. Um, and I also didn't renew my license or something. Like, look, late 2019 was just, I was very, very sick. Honestly, I think I had COVID then. I was so sick. I was coughing for two weeks, it was a nightmare. Um, I don't know what I had, it was really bad. Um, yeah. uh, and then I think I just didn't, I, the warning letter came and I just, I don't know, I completely just, I was, I was also kind of doing shows and I, look, I was just driving a sort of unregistered vehicle with no CTP, which is very stupid, but it was totally just a mistake. Um, and so they pulled me over and so I've got her in the car and, and they're like, are you where you you know, you're driving an unregistered vehicle and all this sort of stuff. And I was like, what? No, no, no. I'm so sorry. Like, you know, I'm trying to be apologetic and, um, I couldn't actually then drive her back. I had to just park the car <laughs> and, then, and then like, she had to catch a bus or something. And oh then, my God. or like, then the next day I had to drive it to, you're allowed to drive it to a, um. a a mechanic to get it's not even a pink slip then you got to get a blue slip which is like a renewed Uh. thing and I remember the police um then drove away and and parked for a bit while they had told me everything and then I was then gonna ask them oh can I just drive her home or something and so I went this was dark and it was in a not super sketchy but like western Sydney and so I not I um I went and knocked on the police door and they got, and you could tell that the policeman got really startled. Um, oh and I God. just had a moment of, of realisation, like, damn, if I had done that in America, I, I, yeah. they'd have shot me. They'd have shot yeah. me because, look, I can totally understand that policemen and women are, are on edge. I mean, th- their job is extremely dangerous. Um, so I shouldn't have just, I mean, I don't know what I'm meant to do, but like I just did a light tap on the, on the window and you could tell the guy got very startled and I mean, you know, it probably doesn't help with my uh, appearance too, but if, if I was in America and I did that, I would be dead. I'm pretty sure that's what that Australian woman did when she called the police. Cause she thought there was an intruder and then, and then she went and like, Tapped on their window and 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 he got really startled and shot her. Um, oh my god! So it's uh yeah it's so
1: scary. Sombre
0: start to the podcast, but um
1: yeah. <laughs> Gosh, how uh, did we get onto this? <laughs> we
0: are talking about love in lockdown. So True. They're two personal anecdotes that are somewhat related. Uh, True. This is a this is a tough time for couples. I mean, for some couples, it's been great oh. and they've reinvigorated their uh, marriage or their love life uh i think for uh, most couples i'm i'm going to guess it's putting a lot of strain on relationships uh mm. divorce rates did increase in america last yeah. year and you know you're you're at home with this person that you you do love but they can get on your nerves when you're in close quarters and people may have lost their job and you know you can't ex- it's it's harder to be healthy and happy in these um strange circumstances so I uh, have a lot of sympathy for couples who are doing it tough. Um, mm. What's your uh, introduction or, or take on, you know, this whole situation and how it's affecting our, our love lives and, and relationships?
1: Well, I think there's a couple of different aspects, like how it's affecting new relationships or how it's going to affect new relationships and how it's going to affect like longer term relationships or marriage and like you said, in America and also in China, there was huge rates of um, divorce filed after their lockdowns. And in Australia, we don't yet have the data for that, but we do know that after our like global financial crisis, there was also a massive amount of divorce that happened or was filed straight after that. So we do know that after stressful life events, I guess, or world events, um, mm. Australians like to get divorced. Um, and I did, I did see as well that, cheating has reduced so drastically down to um, there's 40% less cheating. That's one good thing. I mean, it's it's, it's hard
0: to. That's probably. I wonder if the compulsion to (laughs) cheat has actually gone down or uh, it's just there's a lot less opportunities to cheat
1: yeah and well also because you know sex workers in australia or depends what state you're in are usually allowed to operate but now with COVID, i think that they have certain rules and regulations so you people Mm. don't want to check in people don't want to register being there and all these things um so they are deterred from doing that um and also when you're in lockdown you can't bring people to your home either if you're with if you live with a partner or whatever um so yeah, less less cheating, which is interesting.
0: <laughs> I mean, good luck if you're trying to bring someone home when you live with a partner and All cheat right. on them with the other person in the home. <laughs> that oh, would be impressive. Sure, it's
1: been done before. Uh,
0: <laughs> that would I would be impressed if they got away with that. Um, oh, God. Just, just you know, in, in strip clubs for a while, they they uh, if you got a private dance, yeah, you had to be socially distanced. Oh my. The strip has be 1.5 metres away from you and then that was your private dance. (laughs) I didn't do it. I just heard.
1: There's no way that they actually stayed the distance though, did they?
0: I don't know. Uh, But that was apparently the rule and only uh, just before this recent lockdown did it finally change to uh, allow touching again. Um, But now obviously none of it is um, possible. Uh, but I just found that so funny that yeah, <laughs> yeah like one of my my friends from the from the show I was doing, um, he went to a, a strip club for I, I can't remember if it was his birthday or just a, a friend's birthday, and he, he he told me he he said yeah we 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 went and got private dancers and they have to be 1.5 meters away.
1: <laughs> Did he still have to pay the same amount?
0: <laughs> I think so. Yeah. Mm.
1: The strippers would be like, Yes, oh. <laughs> finally.
0: Yeah, well there you go. They don't yeah, they don't get all those grubby hands on them, but
1: And all yeah, the sugar, sugar babies funny. as well are probably loving it as well. They're like, oh, I can't can't touch you, COVID, but please uh, ah, give true, me an allowance. True. I need
0: it, um, Daddy. Yeah, yeah, maybe they can say, oh, look, I'll let you touch me for this extra. Maybe they can, like, uh, spin it in oh, a way that yeah. gives them more money. Oh, we'll break the law. How naughty will that be? Uh,
1: That's but, a good idea, Neil.
0: Hey, there you go. I'm the That's... businessman. Um, <laughs> the next <laughs> sugar the babies. socially distanced strip club.
1: <laughs> Reach out to Neil. Be your...
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, what are some uh, what are some tips for uh, couples who may be getting on each? other? Let's start with maybe some simple things. Like, I know in 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 a few of my friends, uh, I don't think anything drastic is occurring, but I've heard stories where they're getting on each other's nerves. Uh, they're getting annoyed at each other. You know, it's it's a lot. Uh, they're more prone to. Little squabbles and and fights. It's not, you know, it's not in a really bad place, but just little things like that. How do you uh, help alleviate some of those issues?
1: I think the best thing you can do as before like addressing the concerns is try to maintain as much normal normalcy as you can. So, um, you know, things like working out, engaging in your hobbies, independently, having time apart is so important because otherwise if you're in each other's space, you're codependent, you get enmeshed, you know, you're you're not a spending time apart from each other, you're you're actually more comfortable to confront someone and say, like, piss off and start an argument because you just don't, I guess you don't, I don't want to say you don't care as much, but you're just more likely to be wound up by someone that usually you'd be like, if something bothers you, you can go, to, you're at work and by the time you get home, you don't care or something. Mm. So um, I think that it's really important just for our own sane Sanity and um, safety, I guess, emotional safety is to continue as much involvement in our hobbies and interests as possible and getting outside and spending time alone, but also spending quality time together outside of the house. If you can, like in your exercise or whatever, if that's a possibility to do that, Um, engage in new activities together, whether it be, you know, explore your kinks and fetishes or Bring out a board game, you know, try something new together. Or both. Or Yes, do it at the same time. Why not? So
0: It was Esther Perel that did say uh, distance is actually, and we're not talking about long distance here, but a little bit of distance within a relationship. So even when someone goes to work for the day, that allows uh, a couple of the space to miss each other and look forward to seeing each other again. And when that's gone, and I can just imagine a young couple who maybe live in a small apartment and they're both working from home and they're both in their pyjamas all day, um, that's not exactly – it doesn't sound romantic to me. It sounds frustrating. And then, you know, we're also in a bad mood because of all these lockdowns and that's through no fault of our partners, but then that can then exacerbate tension and cause um, even more fights. So um, – I think, like what Eliza said, just just try to maintain as much normalcy as possible and and develop a new um lockdown routine uh It can take a month to just get used to the situation, but we are we have been in it now for nearly two months i think I think exactly. it has been two months yeah. in Sydney, and you still want to be waking up at a at a decent time you still want to um try and uh, maintain a healthy diet and exercise regime, and even if you build up to that, uh, if if you find yourself in a, you know, in a in a in a hard place right now, you're waking up at God knows when, and you can't organise yourself. Just do uh, little steps, little things at a sure. time. Just routine is it. so important, honestly. It is. Yeah, there's yeah.
1: there's so much literature and studies and evidence that show that having a routine is something that releases, uh, relieves anxiety, depression, um, helps with regulation, competency, um, even attachment with your partner. So, and you know what they say, like you know, all the, the the billionaires and CEOs have one thing in common, and it's a good routine, especially in the morning. So. Definitely get into a routine. I've been reading this book. I posted some pages of it on um holding a pen on um Instagram and it's called 101 Essays That Will Change Your Life. And it's really, really interesting to read. I highly recommend it to everyone because it's such an easy read. She basically, it's this this one woman um summarizes research and and um you know important and useful information and puts it like here's the main bullet points of this study done and dumbs it down almost and there's so much in there about how effective routines can be in making you feel safe secure and at your baseline and also increasing your capacity for happiness so mm. it's highly recommended it's it's one of those simple things that you know, it's interesting because we're always naturally drawn. Like when I, I know when I feel down and then after I get, you know, over it or, or I'm sick of feeling like it, I'm like, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to wake up. I'm going to get this done. And then I'm going to do this. And for the next week I'm going to eat clean, blah, blah, blah. And I never do it. I just plan it. But it's always mm. kind of like human nature and instinctual to create a routine that we know is going to be, beneficial for us. Um, and what I really recommend about this book as well, is it speaks so much about how we often do set ourselves up to do all these amazing things and we can't stick to them and, you know, habits and things like that. And how we are always as humans subconsciously sabotaging ourselves to keep ourselves in the comfort zone, because that's how we're biologically driven to,
0: Mm. you know, stay
1: safe, stay secure, not try new things. Um, but it also reframes, you know, what fear is and why we have fear of going out of those comfort zones. And obviously it's not like I'm afraid to get up and exercise and eat clean every day, but maybe it, it there is some kind of fear there that, that prevents me from doing so or keeps me in my comfort zone where I'm like I'm going to sleep until 10. So really, really important to look into those things and kind of get get informed about it. But I think that, you know, in definitely to couples as well, like a really... Um,
0: Sorry, and just quickly, yeah. what was that book called again? Let me write it down. I've got it here. Okay.
1: 101 essays. That will change the way change
0: you think. think. All You can see I Love like that. it. I've
1: like got like all these things there. So it's, it's so good. Um, I definitely think everyone should read it. Um, and it's, all, yeah, anyway, you just do it. Get back to me. You're always asking us what to read. Read that one.
0: <laughs> Get I think... That people uh, should try and emulate however their life was before the lockdown as much as possible. Um, and even something as simple as working in your pyjamas, yeah, like you can do that. But there's something, uh, you know, mentally when you get dressed for work, yeah, it, there's mm-hmm. something potent about that. And even I find... Uh, I don't wear anything formal, but I'll change my clothes when I'm about to actually start writing or uh, do my actual work. And I feel a lot more productive and I just feel Mm. like, okay, now I am in work mode. Um, And I just, I don't understand. I I, I think um, if you found you have uh, picked up a few bad habits in, in lockdown, first of all, that's perfectly natural. There's nothing wrong with that, but each week, think about one little one that you can try and get under control. Um, don't try and do it all at once, but just baby steps, gradual. And similarly, I I, I can't see how it would be different in a relationship. There may, may be a lot of points of uh, contention or conflict, and then each week, try and talk through one of them. Try and slowly work it out, um, figure out little things that improve the time you have together. I, I, I really do think space and distance can be helpful. Um, mm. You don't want to be in each other's space the whole day. Uh, mm. That, you know, you can love this person more than anything, but I, I don't care who it is. If I'm that, you know, in, in that sort of close proximity to someone for the whole day, I'm going to get sick of them. So, um, <laughs> you know, yeah. So uh, if you've got a, balcony or even if there are just different rooms just try different strategies where you may be a little bit distant from each other um maybe someone can work uh even outdoors if if you've got a laptop that can connect to the um hotspot um there are options there are things you can uh figure out and, and trial and uh you're not as restricted as you may think being in a lockdown, there's definitely, um, there's, there's definitely space to change your surroundings and your environment, even in this sort of a context. And I think that could, uh, improve relationship conditions if you find them deteriorating.
1: So true. I think it's such a good time to use it, use this time while you can to focus on things, um, that you may not necessarily have the time where you to do so in a normal day-to-day, you know, non-lockdown situation. Like, for example, get into meditating or something or hash out, like you said, resolve one issue that you may have with your partner and bring something up every week and be like, for the next week, can we work on this? Can we do this together? Can we work on increasing our intimacy or physical touch or, you know, verbally expressing our love for each other? So that's always really positive. And also I think that the point you made about, creating normalcy and and doing what your daily routine would be is like for example getting up and getting ready is such a good point like the first few weeks of lockdown i wasn't wearing any makeup and i was kind of loving it i get up um just sit down on the couch and pop on zoom and i'd have the dog on my lap and stuff and then i did notice my productivity Mm, was going down a lot Mm. and it was it's almost like for me Putting on my makeup in the morning—it's an anchor for me that okay now I'm getting ready. So it's step I'm stepping into that space of
0: definitely getting
1: shit done, going out, going out, um, working. So it is good to kind of keep those things in place as well. But you know, well, at the same point, it was nice to let my skin breathe from uh, makeup for a bit too. But it yeah. it definitely helps in terms of productivity. So I think one of the interesting points though is when we look at relationships that are new or also people that are dating but have yet to even meet um and a lot of people are forming Mm. relationships during lockdown um and there's lots of pros and cons to that but one of the pros i think is that lockdown has really, really caused a lot of people to become reflective and open with their feelings and experiences. Like I've never heard so many people open up since lockdown about, I'm really struggling with this. Like it's so accepted to say, fuck, this is like really screwing with my head and no one judges you for that, which I think is a really like silver lining of this lockdown is that people are communicating better. Um, and but on the other hand, I do wonder what happens when you can't have that, you know, f- when you go out and go on a date and meet someone physically. So you're developing all your relationships based off these really like, um, deep and meaningful conversations. But what happens when you meet in person and then is it going to like, do you, you have to maintain that deepness? Are you going to feel comfortable opening up still and ex- and bearing your soul like you would to a stranger online or like a stranger on Tinder or are you going to just like the dynamic of your relationship is going to change a lot? Who knows? That'll be interesting.
0: Yeah. Um, I wonder if it was the case that relationships that may have formed in last year's lockdown, then once we were out of that, they may not have actually then succeeded mm. because the circumstances and environment changed so drastically that the person themselves would have, whether they've completely changed their Personality, different characteristics would be coming out um, yeah. and they'd perceive themselves in the world differently. I know um, I think it was around July last year when uh, things fizzled out with the person I was seeing from, I, I was seeing someone from about February to July last year, which was sort of dead in that first lockdown. And then um, when we were able to go out again and, and go to bars and see our friends, Sort of fizzled out, and i mm. I can't help but think if it was if we've been in lockdown for eighteen months we may even still be seeing each other um yeah. It's funny how things like that it is work and yeah. uh, I was thinking about this the other day uh, a good relationship should be adaptable um, mm. in the same way uh, I think a smart person is very adaptable to changing circumstances and look, I think this is a big reason why we've been one of the most successful species to have ever lived on this planet. Just we're so adaptable. We're so malleable and able to transform with our environment. And a, a good relationship is able to do that um, when circumstances change and when things get tough. it's They figure out a way to, um, well, the relationship itself uh, sort of transforms with it and so
1: true so true
0: how do you actually can you do you think you can work on that in a relationship on like the adaptability of a relationship because there i'd imagine there's so many things that uh you're relying on so say like even last year when um there was a period of long distance and then just the relationship crumbled now this was the the person i was seeing um later in the year and it wasn't it clearly just wasn't adaptable we couldn't we couldn't handle it when um circumstances changed and we weren't relying on the weekly intimacy and the regular consistent intimacy um so i wonder if there's a way you know early on in a relationship to maybe even talk through uh situations where hey if we are distant for a while uh if there's a time where you know you're going through a tough time or vice versa let's talk about things we can employ or or let's at least uh discuss what the other person may desire from from their significant other to help them get through that uh as a therapist do you think there are you know ways to sort of improve an adaptability of a relationship
1: I think that it actually comes down to how you can improve or, or work on your own emotional regulation. Um, and it's hard when you're in a relationship because then it takes two people to do that and convincing a partner, could you please learn how to emotionally regulate more is a difficult conversation mm-hmm. to have, of course. But when you know how to, um, you know, w- w- what changes make you uncomfortable, what is going to stress you out and taking ownership of those feelings yourself rather than, reaching it out onto someone else or blaming someone else for that is really important. Like we talked a little mm. bit about in a podcast, a couple of podcasts about actually got a lot of messages about, um, when we brought up reactive jealousy, when you are jealous of your partner's past or, or previous partners. And a yeah. lot of men reached out to me saying that they have that and they didn't know that mm. there was, they, it's, they didn't know it was, there was a phrase for it. they just thought it was jealousy. It is jealousy, but it's a specific type of, a variation of jealousy um, and the difference between in a situation like that or anything that comes up in these kind of situations where things are changing, things might make you uncomfortable, that it's not up to your partner to resolve that for you. It's up to you to resolve it for yourself. And if you resolving it is realizing this partner is not going to meet the needs I need, I have to have met to feel secure in a relationship, then you can either broach that with them or you can decide I need to be better off single. Like, Like you said about bringing up things early in a relationship. I always, I always do that. Literally like Mm. a few weeks into a relationship, everyone knows what is okay with me and what is not okay with me. And I make it very clear. Like when my boundaries are crossed, that's it. Like I have no problem walking away from something when I know, okay, it's not going to work out. We're completely incompatible. And if it's worth, you know, having a discussion about rather than just throwing in the towel I will, of course, but if it's something that is so fundamental, what can to be done? I'd rather you know, <laughs> leave now rather than invest five years hoping for someone to change and they're not. It's like when someone says, "I I could never have seen myself having kids," and then or getting married, and then the other person's like, "Oh, he doesn't want to," but and it's my biggest dream. But I know that if I just you know wait a little bit, maybe he'll change his mind. And then seven years mm-hmm. later, they're like hating him for something that he was very upfront about to begin with. So, um, yeah, that was a in long-winded that, answer. <laughs> no,
0: that's, that's really good. That's important. Um, in, what about, say, hypothetically in a, in a lockdown situation where someone is um, unnerved and on edge more than usual, they're stressed, uh, which is pretty natural in this, in this sort of situation, but then that is then rubbing off on their partner. But then they might be saying, well, look, it's a lockdown. Like, what do you expect me to do? See, that's where I think, no, then it is the responsibility of the partner to then work on that. They can't just blame the circumstance for them being a bad girlfriend or boyfriend. Um, Mm. We're all going through this. And if you're sort of using this situation as an excuse to um, be, uh, uh, you know, not be your best self. I understand that there's, well, part of me does think that's only natural, but you still have to be making an effort to not um, not uh, submit your partner to those sorts of, uh, you know, that side of yourself. I know there's that adage, of, if if you if you uh, want me at my best, what is it? If you want me at my best, you've got to handle me at my worst yeah, or whatever. Yeah. But uh, I think we should see that as more of a, in terms of the relationship as a whole, like if you can endure the relationship at its worst, then you deserve the relationship at its best rather than like, oh, it's just about me. Like when I'm at my worst, I'm allowed to be at my worst because of this lockdown thing. I don't think that's really fair. I think um, you both got to be making an effort to um, work on certain uh, flaws that may be coming up uh, in these circumstances and not just sorta of brushing it aside and saying, Well, it's a lockdown, like I'm gonna be more on edge, I'm gonna um, be pissed off more. It's what such do you a think?
1: hard it's a hard dynamic to balance, um, because I agree with you wholeheartedly. But mm. I agree with you from a from a person that, you know, has pretty great mental health, um, and I also know that working with people with mental health conditions for a living, that, you know, it's so much easier said than done for me to say, like, um, you know, I know you're struggling, but you still need to put in effort to maintain this relationship and things like that. But whether you have true depression or true anxiety, you lose absolutely all motivation or ability to do those things you can't you can't be intimate sometimes you can't open up sometimes and you know that you need to but you just can't bring yourself to do it and it is you know a really tricky spot to be in and like you know speaking personally um with with adrian he as you know he's a landscaper and for a period there he he wasn't out of work and we went into lockdown you know couple of weeks after we'd bought a house and moved up here. Um, and then all of a sudden he had no work. Um, and he had, he was stressed about it and because he'd also just bought a brand new car and spent all his like all this money on our mm. deposit and a new car and then he's out of a job and he's, he was really stressed. And you know, that was interesting because that there was a little bit of a dynamic change in our relationship more so that he was just, um, He never treated me differently, but he was, he was much more withdrawn than usual because he's quite um, like affectionate and forthcoming with that usually. And when I step into like a, you know, me being in a relationship side, I was struggling with. Like that being like, well, he he needs to get off his ass. He needs to do something. If he's feeling down. He needs to get outside, connect with nature, ground yourself, exercise, feel better, journal, meditate. He needs to put in like, you know, effort with us, connect more and things like that. But then when I step into like a therapeutic framework, I'm understanding that this person's really struggling and he can't, he has, when someone's struggling, they have tunnel vision and they can't, you know, see all these things around them. They can understand that it's going to help, but when you think about how overwhelming that is to add, okay, walk, journal, you know, see a doctor or meditate and put in relationship, you know, walk the dog and, and help your relationship, things like that. It's so much on someone that's already struggling to carry the bare minimum of what they've got because they're just carrying their um, struggling emotions. So it is, I think what I find is a really important part of COVID is being compassionate towards your partner and understanding that, this may not be a reflection of them, how they truly are. Um, And that we should try stick out, stick it out a little bit. And like, just also being on the other side of that, you know, Adrian and I started dating last year in like June or July. And then a couple months later I started getting really unwell. And then at the start of this year I dislocated my shoulder and it was really, really bad. I had heaps of ongoing issues. And then after that, Two months later, I got um, assaulted at work and had, you know, I f- fractured my rib, slipped the disc, had nerve damage, all these issues in my back where I couldn't do anything. So that was six months of our relationship. Literally half of our relationship was him having to look after me because I wasn't allowed to sit for more than 10 minutes. I wasn't allowed to stand mm. for more than an hour. I had six appointments a week. I was in so much pain. I can, I can like wholeheartedly say that was probably the worst period of my life and the worst moods I've ever experienced. And I'm in a newish relationship and he like was able to say, we'll see those parts of me and still be like, what well, what what can I do for you? What can I, how can I help you? What do you need? Let's get through it. Those kind of things. So I think that that, that was a really beautiful thing that I needed because I had a lot of guilt thinking i'm not I can't do anything for this guy I can't cook dinner I can't make him tea I can't do shit because I was in so much pain, so that was months of it as well so oh compassion is so important
0: absolutely and I'm not trying to suggest uh if someone takes a turn for the worst uh yeah. you should just leave them or something like that but being withdrawn or being physically mm. ill, I think is quite different to say uh Uh, being cynical towards a partner or, Mm -hmm. you know, taking out that stress um, in the way that you maybe argue with them. Or uh, I know to a certain degree that that will be natural, uh, but I guess I was coming more from the perspective of, uh, I, I, you know, I don't think it's fair to just – say that the lockdown has uh, adversely impacted you and then you find yourself getting a bit more annoyed at your partner um i think that's something you i, I know we should be compassionate and, and things like that but you know it, it's not really fair on your partner f- to for them to have to see this kind of argumentative combative side of you if you're not making an effort, like if there's no effort being made, or if um, you know you're, you're just completely blaming the partner, or if there's no sense of accountability, that's where I would start to raise eyebrows, I suppose. Yeah, I get it. It's a tough it. one like, though, but like I yeah. get you. Like it is a tough one.
1: Both positions are 100% right and fair and justified because, you know, if you see your flame dying and you know that you have the capacity to put fuel into the fire and make it, you know, bright and amazing again, why wouldn't you? And to choose not to do that and to choose not to put the effort in can be really hard place to, you know, realize I've asked this partner for support. I've asked this partner for kindness. And I've asked this partner to not be like a dickhead to me. And yet they still are.
0: And, mm. you know, like
1: we've seen in COVID, there's been such drastic rises and increase of domestic violence. Um, and that's just in particular physical violence. So we have no idea about verbal abuse yet or what's come out in that way. Like I see it in my work. We've had so many, you know, families falling apart because of it. But, We'll never truly know the impact of it. I think until quite some time later of how that's gone downhill and people are saying, you know, I've been with this person for eight years, 10 years, 15 years even, and they've never seen a side to them like this under it's just a long prolonged stress is such a killer of everything. It's a killer of your health. It's a killer of your relationships. It's a killer of your happiness. So it's a, it's a shit place for you to be that person It's a shit place to be in as the partner or someone who's spiraling down and they're not doing things to help themselves or even just if they're not spiraling but they're just moody and treating you like shit kind of.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'd imagine if I was in that situation, I'd just sort of feel, well, do you not care about the relationship, right? Yeah. It's not about me, 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 but it's just about, well, you know, we're, we're both enduring this and as long as someone's making an effort, I think that's the main thing. I don't yeah. expect... I wouldn't expect people to change overnight or be perfect or anything like that. But I think if people can see that their partner is making an effort, if they are, mm-hmm. let's just say someone has become a bit more moody um, in lockdown, if they're at least making an effort to try and curb that or to sort of address that, uh, even if that is sort of, you know, them saying something like, Hey, you're just getting on my nerves more than usual. I think for half the day, we should, um, we should uh, try and stay apart. Now that may be harsh to hear immediately, but I'd then think, oh, at least this person's thinking about the relationship and mm. and and thinking about strategies to uh, get through this tough period. And that, to me, would mean a lot if I was ever in that situation. That even yeah, that's it, would, a good it would probably reason. hurt if they're yeah. saying, you know, get away from me. But at least I'd think, all right, well, they they. And if they articulate it in a way that's like, hey, I think this is the best for both of us. Um, I need some more alone time or some space. Then, okay, you can see that the other person's making an effort. And to me, effort is, is more important than even the results, to be honest. Yeah. Um, you tried, that means you value your partner and your relationship. And that mm. is more important than, than anything, really.
1: So true. That's a good, that's a really good reframe that if your partner asks space, it means that they care enough about the relationship to implement strategies that are going to support it and, and help you through that period. So it is, it is a good way of looking at it and, and coping with that when you, if you do come across hearing that. Um, and one of the things though I just want to add to that is if you are the person where you're noticing your partner becoming more stroppy, it's really important as well that you communicate because yes, they have a responsibility to provide, you know, effort and, and love into this relationship, but you also have a responsibility to communicate when yeah you're not feeling loved enough or you're not feeling supported or secure in the relationship because people aren't mind readers, especially when they've got additional um, stress and, and things like this happening, but they, they may not be thinking about you as much as they should be. And sometimes you, people need a reminder rather than just, you know, the silent treatment as a punishment, hoping that they'll pick up what what you're pissed off about. It's a really bad bad um, place to be in. But I, I know that a lot of my friends in relationships are struggling at the moment and I've been mm. like sending them these, um, we've talked about it a couple of times, it's called like the Imago, um, Therapy dialogue. I literally will send like a screenshot of it to my friends, being like, "Do this, do this," because um, it's how to how to communicate your needs and how to validate someone else's need in the same conversation. So, and I've had good feedback. Mm, so, um, that's good. That's, yeah, look it up.
0: If there's anything the world uh, is is missing, it's uh, open and authentic discourse without judgment. And I can imagine a relationship needs that um a a space i mean ideally every night but i I don't know if that's feasible for everyone but where you say all right i may be annoyed at you about this one thing and want to you know um show my upset about this other thing but let's just have a space where we can just listen to each other and not react and just hear each other out hell maybe even then take 10 minutes where you've okay i've heard the other person then you come back and and try to resolve or um I just think open dialogue and uh healthy um communication without people being reactive and judgmental I know it's easier said than done you know I've been in situations where someone said something critical and uh, as much as I've uh you know tried to be very rational it's the emotions do come out but uh I think that's something you gotta, gotta strive for you gotta try and uh so true. Do it after you know, after a good Netflix and chill session, where you're, uh, you know, you got some dopamine there in the brain, and hopefully you've both uh, been satisfied. And then that's when you have those conversations. No, maybe not. I
1: feel like you should not do it after sexing. Like okay, now that really? I now that I've came, let me tell you all the problems I've got with you. Okay, like um, okay, maybe not
0: like all the problem. But if there's like a little issue, um, it's just okay you're both a bit relaxed and maybe not like not immediately after but <laughs> you know you cuddle and then yeah. 10 minutes after you then start to initiate a dialogue I don't know look for me that's been the most that's when I've had the most uh calm and rational conversation yeah
1: that's fair that's that's a good point and the other thing is is that a really good idea to do, and if you read this book, 101 Essays, you'll see it all through there as well. And I know people come at me about being hippie when I say this and lame, but doing your gratitudes is such a fundamental way of having a positive influence and change in your psychology and your outlook. And especially in a time like this, do your gratitudes? Like, not hippie
0: at all. It's just it's, it's science it is
1: basis. it is science, and it feels uncomfortable, and it feels weird. But you know, if I go, I I do it. I've been doing it for years. I write it down every night. Like you know, I, I'm grateful. My body's healing. I'm grateful for my dog. Grateful for my loving relationship. Grateful for the sun today. Grateful whatever. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And um, I've got Adrian to doing it, and you know, he's a, he's a very blokey tradie who. Probably wouldn't have done that if we weren't in a relationship together, but it's, he's kind of gone from being like, I'm grateful because my kettle is blue and it lights up. to, to be able to go a bit deeper than that. Um, but either way, you know, whatever you can find some joy in, it's so good, especially at the end of your day or at the start of your day to, Mm. to, to finish on that note. So doing that in your relationships as well, though, is super, super helpful. Rather it's, it's important to say, look, I'm struggling with this and I need more support in this, but also saying to that person, I adore how much you know you've supported me during this. I really, really appreciate that you did the all oh, this gardening today. And like we did the um the census recently that came out. And yeah. because we moved, I'd done it late, so we just did it a couple of days ago and one of the questions is like how many hours do you contribute to domestic household chores a week? And I was like oh. Mine was less than five, and Adrian's was twenty to thirty-five hours a week on wow. domestic chores and things like that. So he's working
0: full time, jeez. And- oh,
1: <laughs> so yeah, well, I mean, especially during COVID, because he's working part time now um, in his business, and then okay, um, so he's been here all, all day just fixing everything. But even outside of COVID, he's always like that kind of type of. Person And that was just one of those moments where I was like, Shit fuck, I'm so lucky that I have someone that anything is broken, anything needs to be fixed, he loves cleaning like that's good that's, that's a dream
0: <laughs> Yeah, wow <well, laughs> <yes. laughs> yeah, hold on to that um, I, uh, I agree with you you know we practice gratitude because for whatever reason the way our mind has developed. We tend to focus on the negative, and we tend to yeah. only look at uh, bad things around us. Because I'm sure there was an evolutionary advantage for the Homo sapien that was always being very cynical, because they would have been much more per- perfectionistic and and sort of likely to find more resources because they're always thinking there's a problem everywhere. Mm. Whereas now, in a very abundant um, environment, that is, well, it can be anxiety. Um, mm. And actually I have a fun, I have a stand up joke about that where like the the caveman with anxiety would have been the one that survived right because they would have been like oh I'm not going in there there's a snake I know there's a <laughs> snake I don't want to go in there whereas the caveman that was like oh I just mindfully meditated I'm just going to walk in whoop <laughs> he's dead okay so That's
1: so true Anxiety
0: is an evolutionary benefit just in this day and age it's it's a disadvantage but um the same thing happens with a, a partner, right? You, you, you eventually, it's just a classic story of every relationship. You start off in this beautiful honeymoon period and then gradually you start to see all the flaws, but then you only focus in on those flaws and yeah. you need to actively be working against that. So even mm-hmm. if you're in a good place in a relationship right now, um, I'm the same as Eliza. Like every morning uh, when I do, I guess, affirmations or just sort of, gratefulness or just think about things I try to reframe everything and and always just remind myself of the uh positives you may think it's kind of cringy and and yeah hippie-ish but you're actively working against um what is inevitably going to happen which is you're going to look at the flaws you're going to eventually just see um cynical things yeah. So you need to be constantly reminding yourself and it, it, it's better to do it when the relationship is good and then get in yeah. a habit of doing it because then yeah. it's harder to then once you're in a bad state and you're only seeing their flaws. I mean, it's funny listening to uh, uh, married couples who've been together for a, for a long time and the shit they get annoyed at each other about. It's just, oh, I hate the way he chews. Oh, <laughs> you know, well, like, I relate to that Jesus, one. But... Right, like,
1: <laughs> yes, yeah, so true. Um, so,
0: so true. To, to work against that, you actively, preferably daily, just, just think about something like, oh, yeah, look, you know, I like this about him. I like this about her. Yeah. yeah. Um, that it, it adds up.
1: It, it does, and it changes effect. your psychology. It absolutely changes it, and I, I feel like I'm living proof of that. I used to be very extremely cynical person and very, very judgmental when I was like in my teens and I had a very intense switch, um, when I started studying and and I did like thousands of hours of volunteer work and I really worked on myself to kind of switch onto the other side and I've never ever gone back into that. And that's why I think that in all my relationships, and even on this podcast, I'm constantly saying, Oh my God, I'm so lucky. All my relationships have been so beautiful and so loving and all my partners were lovely and they were gentlemen. Maybe I had the same amount of ups and downs as other people had, but you know, based on my psychology and outlook i perceive it as to be positive like you know how they say that aside from the people that are have outliers and have had like really significant childhood trauma abuse and whatever for people that haven't had those significant traumas every individual has had the same amount on average of shit things that have happened in their childhood and shitty experiences in their life. So let's say yeah, you, you, me, don't. one other person had the same amount. But some people look back and say, I had a really, really rough childhood. And then I might look back and say, my childhood was beautiful. And we may have had the exact same amount of experiences or the same experiences, but it's all about your perspective. And one of the things mm. that I find that really, really helps changing your perspective as well as, you know, the gratitude is if you want to come at it from a very like analytical perspective if you're a bit more left brain or whatever or you know logical like Neil is um, is thinking and you know based on science and psychology every behavior makes sense so if someone is kicking off if someone's doing something to upset you if someone is irrationally <laughs> yeah. jealous every behavior makes sense because it is they're doing that behavior we are doing these behaviors that we hate about ourselves if you know you sabotaging your relationships or you're spending millions of dollars or, or thousands of dollars every weekend. Cause you're compulsive. You're either doing these behaviors to satisfy a need or to keep yourself safe. And every decision is one of those two, you know, things. So it's really, really good way to reframe when yeah. someone's doing something to piss you off. Think about how does this make sense? They're seeking validation. They're seeking support. They're seeking an outlet for their frustration. It makes sense. Yeah.
0: There was always, you, you know, you can draw it back to some sort of childhood instance or relationship in their um, adolescence. Uh, <laughs> but, um, yeah, can't agree with you more on all of that um, perspective. Uh, I know we talk about this on every second podcast, but the perspective <laughs> you have of your partner. Yeah. You know, because it, otherwise it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy, right? If you think mm-hmm. your partner is annoying and, and insensitive you're going to act in a way that's going to make them insensitive because that's, yes. you know, your, your ego just wants to be correct <laughs> rather than actually yes. a yes. really confronting thing is, is to sort of say, okay, maybe my partner showed some signs of uh, whatever it may have been, passive aggression or being insensitive. But my belief that that was their entire personality and then the mm. way that then manifested in my behavior towards them Exacerbated those behaviours. Now that's a confronting thought. Now yeah. try and look back in your relationships, and 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 sit down <laughs> and do that. It's, it won't be fun, but you know, like that's. I think we've all done it. Um, it's
1: like a really good example is when when a a person is like, I know my you know, my boyfriend or my husband's eyes could be turned or head could be yep, turned. That's so then exactly they grow out and create or they get their best friend to create this, you know, ideal woman Instagram thing. And then for the first time ever, he responds to a message saying, hey, back. And she's like, I knew it, but she had set the whole thing up. I've seen that happen a million times. So it's super, super interesting, like you said, like are we actually doing things to create Prove yourself right, and one of the most important lessons of anyone's life is that your ego always wants to be right, no matter how hurtful it is, no matter how much it sabotages you. Your ego wants to be right, so if you're telling yourself no one can be trusted, men are trash, you know, um, women are crazy, no one can be loyal, if those are the is that if that's your narrative, your ego will prove that to yourself. that That will be you will be doing things subconsciously, having confirmation bias, you know, self fulfill fulfilling prophecy just to make those things happen so that you can be right.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's so prevalent and you need to uh, just look back at whatever relationships you've had. And if you can't see uh, elements of that, I truly don't think you're being honest with yourself because I think we're only human and we've all done these sorts of things. And, you know, we probably still do it. We, I think you see it in politics. You see it everywhere. You, you, People find sort of simplified ideas of um, other political uh, ideologies or other people, and even their partners. Oh, my partner is this, this, this. You know, you can't sum a human up in three words, but mm. uh, yeah, my partner um, is emotionally unavailable. Well, then, because you think he's or she is emotionally unavailable, you're going to act, and you're going to you're going to probably come across as. Uh, uh, too forward and because you're so desperate to get them to open up, which is going to make them mm. uh, draw back. And then you think, oh, see, I just, you know, I knew they were emotionally unavailable, but yeah. your behavior manifested that. Okay. Really it's not good, some um... hippie shit. This is, <laughs> this is, no, this is really like self-fulfilling prophecies. <laughs> yeah. are Part of psychology.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's so true. I was just going to add to that point that in, relationship therapy and coaching, one of the things that we get taught is always that on by stereotype and by like typical or common behavior, women will have a fear around abandonment. And so when things in their relationship become a little bit rocky or, or they're uncomfortable. They're instantly thinking he's going to leave me or I have to leave. Like there's got to be some sort of semblance of abandonment of the relationship. And for men, it's, it's shame. They have a fear of shame. They don't want to be socially shamed. They don't want to be embarrassed. They don't want to feel bad and think that, you know, they're fucked up or they've let this person down. So what ends up happening is, a woman may feel, you know, he might ignore her for a day or do something accidentally, I don't know. And then she starts to feel abandoned. So she punishes him for this, being like, you're supposed to call me, like you're supposed to put an effort, and then he starts to feel ashamed. So he withdraws further Mm. because he's feeling embarrassed or low, and then she's like, I'm proving it. Like I told you, he just abandons me. So you get in this cycle, and the only way out of that cycle is literally just by having compassion for that person and understanding, hang on, maybe my needs here were a little bit selfish. Maybe I was asking him something that mm. he, is, he is not in his nature or is he did not even know I needed. So
0: and interesting. What is the narrative I have surrounding this person? Yeah. Because uh, in those situations they both have their own narrative, which is that, oh, he's going to abandon me or all men will abandon mm. me or, you know, whatever it is. Maybe, and then he has that narrative like oh you know you're just gonna leave me and i'm gonna feel like crap again so or they i both can't please then, anyone yeah. yeah so then they exhibit and look we're all i don't think anyone's immune to this i know i have uh these sorts of traits uh i think we all have them um it's just important to be aware of it uh because and the way to be aware of it is all right when if you're having conflict with your partner right now in in lockdown you just Think about all right. How can I? How do I sum up that conflict? What? What would I? How would I describe that person? Would it be, well, she's not doing this because blah 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 blah. Well, there there you go. That's your narrative. Mm-hmm. How are you going to reframe that mm-hmm. to try and improve the relationship over the course of the medium term? And it can be as simple as tweaking a few words yes. to do with that relationship, and then yeah. practicing the affirmations for it every day because you're actively working against. Uh, yeah your ego. So so just have a um a sort of mutually beneficial narrative mm-hmm. about your partner in the relationship and then um try and try and say that to yourself every day. Mm, love I think it. that's that's my non-therapist advice. <laughs>
1: so true. Honestly, just sometimes when you're in these situations, put like on the hat, think I am a therapist. What would a therapist say and a therapist would be saying to you right now? And what's beneath that? And then what's beneath that? Oh, he doesn't want to do the dishes. And what does that mean? Why? Like all these questioning and unpacking and going further, further, further down. And maybe he was really exhausted. So you're into a place of compassion and reframe. So honestly, just pretend to be a therapist and hash it out, reflect. Reflecting is everything, but um. Yeah, and, and it's like we said, there's no better time than you, – you're going to do more of this during lockdown than you will in any other time in your relationship probably until the next crisis comes along.
0: Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, it's good to – see, there's a challenge more so than a test. Yeah. Um, and, I, and, yeah, trying to keep distance. I think if it is a new relationship, don't be moving in with each other too quickly. Um, I guess to wrap this one up – what about situations where it's just become untenable, but because of the lockdown situation, it's actually hard for people to move out. I've never understood how people do it when they've, say, bought a house together or they've moved in with each other and then they've decided to break up. I know you've been in a situation where you've still lived with someone after you've decided to break up, and I just sort of think, well, that, that's crazy to me. I, I, I mean, it's very mature. I can, I, can, I hope if I'm ever in that situation, I can do that but i would just sort of think oh god i just want to the sooner this can all be over and i can get out the better um so for people maybe who are in a a relationship situation that's just become untenable you know really intense arguing every single day uh no one's willing to budge uh how about let's let's conclude on that what would you say to them
1: my advice is going to be understand that you're going to do things and think things that are just going to justify yourself to stay in this house or in this you know position you might say oh it's COVID oh I don't have money oh I don't have anywhere to go and even though those things feel really true at the time we are and sometimes doing these things and saying these things to keep us in comfort even though you're furious about um you know what's going on in your relationship. It's still more comfortable than going out, being single, living on your own, things like that. Um. So my advice would be that if it's genuinely really unhelpful and that you're you're being emotionally or physically harmed and your your well being is decreased drastically because of your relationship, you need to leave. You can work on your relationship from separate places, but you need to find a means to leaving. And there is many source resources that you can access for support. There's many hotlines you can call. You can move in with someone and, and, you know, not breach laws if you have to leave. So just leave. If it's that bad, just leave and then sort it out separately. Mm. (laughs) If you want to sort it out.
0: Mm. Yeah. If there's anything I've uh, learned from some recent relationships and you know what, I was talking to a friend of mine who, who actually he had a fiance and they unfortunately, um, called it quits before the marriage. Um, Mm. Yeah, it was very sad. Yeah, just before this, mm, uh, earlier this year, I wouldn't say just before this lockdown, but yeah, it was messy as well. And we were talking and, you know, when someone does, I think I've mentioned this on another podcast, but like someone usually, the person being broken up with is usually trying to prevent that from happening. Um, Yeah. And if there's anything I've learned uh, in my 27 years of life, it's it's now that don't try and fall. Like you, you're actually better. If you really want that relationship to continue, whatever you do in that initial one or two week period after someone has broken up with you or asked for space, um, it's probably going to make things worse. Yeah. So I would accept it. I know it probably would take a lot of discipline because you're absolutely heartbroken. But um, we, we do have a tendency to be very reactive in those situations and can yell at the person and like, fuck you for abandoning me and giving up on me and all this sort of shit. And like, oh, I gave you everything, all of that. Um, the best thing I think you can do if you, if you have, and again, I know this is so much easier said than done, but um, don't say nothing at all, but like a nice paragraph or, you know, a nice conversation where you say, look, I'm devastated by this decision I absolutely love you more than anything, but, uh, let's, you know, I, I will accept it and then, um, say whatever you need to say, but keep it brief. Don't, don't sort of make it a big essay. Or if you are talking, you know, digitally, um, uh, but in person don't go on for like two hours. Um, and then give it some space and then maybe then try and see how they're doing in, in a month or two. Mm-hmm. Um, rather than kind of like trying to hold on to it immediately, Uh, which is only natural. It's only natural. There's nothing – I'm sure, you know, we've all been in those situations. But um, it's actually, uh, you know, we've both – my friend and I were both talking about We were in very similar sort of situations, and then whatever we, I guess, did to try and uh, not allow the breakup to happen actually made it way worse. So (laughs) – uh, whatever you think will be a good idea in that situation. It's probably not. So, uh, yeah. Um,
1: Don't respond when you're in a really that. heightened place. Just <laughs> wait till you calm down. Even if it takes two hours or two days or two weeks, wait. Yes.
0: And again, a, a lot easier said than done, but uh, yeah, it's worthwhile putting that out there. All right. Well, thank you very much, uh, Eliza. Thank you guys for listening. Hope you enjoyed that one. i do hope your relationships are going well and uh if you are in a lockdown area in sydney i hope you're doing uh in australia i hope you're doing okay uh subscribe if you haven't already share this podcast it's a great time for people to be uh discovering new podcasts so share it around with your friends and we'll see you next time
1: see you next week